I put on this, this bulletproof vest, and I, and I wore it during both services, and I discovered that I will never do that again. These things are heavy, and they are hot, and uh, protection comes with a price. I, I had some really interesting comments from friends of mine. I, I have some people who have uh, police officers and their family that were tempted to call the police and have me arrested for impersonating an officer. And I told them if they had come in and done that, I would have had them arrested for impersonating parishioners. <laughs> but we've been talking at the beginning, of, we started this series on guarding our heart. And from that series, we took a theme verse that's found in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, that you're going to hear again today and then again next week as I conclude this series. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. The Lord has something to say to us about guarding ourselves. And, and for those of you that may not have been a part of the service last week, I would encourage you to go to a website and you can, you can listen to it online. But we talked about the fact that you can wear something like this. Our, our law enforcement officers, when they know that they're going to be going into a place where there is danger from the outside, put this on because they know that a shot to the heart is fatal. And so they protect themselves in that way. But last week we talked about Protecting ourselves and guarding our heart is not always a job that takes place from something that's on the outside, but sometimes we have to guard our heart from our own misconceptions about ourselves. And last week we talked about some of the things that attack your heart, that you allow to attack you from the inside, are misconceptions that you may have about God as it relates to the fact that you think that you are unlovable, or you believe that you are unforgivable or that you are unchangeable, or unblessable, or unusable. All of these things are misconceptions that the enemy of your soul will try to impress upon your heart to be true when they are not. And sometimes the attacks to our heart come from the inside. But there are attacks that come from the outside. And today I want to talk to you about understanding temptation. How do we, how do we understand temptations, which are attacks that generally come from the outside that we must face? And today I want to read a passage of Scripture that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted... He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Father, I pray that over these next few moments as we begin to examine your word that there will be the direction of your spirit that applies it to each of us just where we are and just how we need it. I ask, Lord, that you would anoint me to make it understandable what you were trying to say to your people so that we can be fed of your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, I had a wonderful opportunity of going camping in the wilderness of Montana with my son-in-law, my grandson, my son-in-law's dad, and myself. And we were 47 miles from the nearest road in the Bob Marshall Wilderness when we set up a tent. And when we had talked to people before we had got in, what they recommended to us is that we would, number one, carry bear spray with us wherever we went, and number two, that we would set up a perimeter around our tent that would that was made up of an electric fence. And so I remember when we got our tent up, we got that fence up, and, and as we're putting it up, it's got three little wires to it and different layers and, and I remember hooking the battery pack to it and turning it on and then we drew straws to see who was going to touch the fence to see if it was really on and ultimately we all ended up touching the fence and discovering that there was, certainly was something that was pulsing through that wire that made us jump. 
Interesting enough, I didn't realize how flimsy that would be in light of the potential dangers until a few days later. We didn't see any bears. We didn't see any bear sign while we were camping, which was just fine. We did hear wolves. But as we were driving later on, a few days later, I came across a grizzly bear boar that was walking a few hundred yards through a meadow that was looking at, at trees that we would need a truck to move, and it was with one paw just throwing them. And it made me begin to realize just how flimsy three little wires are in the face of something that was, had the ability to do such damage. And, and what I begin to recognize through that is it was not the wires themselves that was the barrier. It was what was coursing through them. They seemed rather flimsy until they were touched and then they would give you a jolt. And, and I begin to recognize that in our spiritual lives, when we face temptations that might seem enormous to us, we, we see the things that are going on around us and we recognize, Lord, I do not have the strength in myself to be able to withstand such temptations. We recognize that while we may look flimsy in light of the problem, it's not us that is standing there. There's someone that is living inside of us that's coursing through our veins that provides to us an inward strength that keeps the enemy at bay. That one touch on the hand of a child of God and there is a buzz that begins to fly through the enemy because he recognizes that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life and we belong to a much higher power than what it seems that we have in ourselves. Someone asked Martin Luther, the secret of his ministry, and he replied, it came down to understanding and having victory over the temptations that faced my life. As I was thinking this week in preparation of those who were spiritual mentors in my life, those that have produced a consistent walk with God and holiness over years of faithfulness, one thing that they all have in common is they understand what it is like to stand in the face and endure and overcome overwhelming temptation. In fact, probably most of you that are listening to me today have an area of your life that right now you feel is under direct attack. You feel as if, Lord, I may be strong in this area, but my weaknesses here seem as if they are about to collapse. And the Bible tells us that we are not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. And I believe that if we're willing, the Holy Spirit will help us understand God's purposes in the face of our temptations. If you have your bulletin, there's an outline of three points if you want to jot down some notes as we go along, and I'm going to move through these rather quickly today. But the first key in understanding temptation is this. Your temptation and understanding it is knowing where it comes from. You need to know where it comes from. One of the biggest questions that we face is, does your temptation originate with God? The devil, or do you cause it yourself by your own choices? And our immediate reaction to that was, well, that's rather easy because temptation always comes from the devil because the Bible tells us in James 1.13 that God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Yet Scripture also gives us this very clear statement in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 that says this, as it related to the life of Jesus, that Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So we recognize that while God doesn't tempt, there are times when he will lead us into a combat zone that is known as temptation. And the truth is that both God and Satan have a part in what we face in temptation. 
within our own lives. Satan's design as it relates to temptation for you is always to do one of three things. He either wants to destroy you, he wants to ruin you, or he wants to kill you. That's why he brings temptation into your life. The Lord allows temptation, but he has completely different purposes for that. His purposes of allowing temptation into your life is so that he will be able to show his eternal purposes more clearly to you, showing you areas of weakness in your life that you need to lean on the strength of the Lord. And so it might seem that there is this contradiction, but there are two purposes at work within your temptation. In fact, let me illustrate this by Two different scriptures that talk about the same event in the Old Testament. 2 Samuel chapter 24 verse 1 says this. Again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel. And he, he being the Lord, incited or provoked David against them saying, Go and take a census of Israel and of Judah. And then you go to 1 Chronicles chapter 21.1 which is the exact same situation and it says this. And Satan stood up against Israel and incited or provoked David to number Israel. Both of these verses describe the same event, yet one says that God is the one that incited and provoked or moved David against Israel. And the other one, in the very same terminology, says that Satan is the one that provoked or moved David against Israel. The fact of the matter is, as it relates to the temptations that we face in life, both God and Satan are involved in them. You see, Satan saw an opportunity in this to to destroy David and to wipe out Israel. But God had another purpose in mind. God saw that there was cleansing possible. He needed to elevate the people of Israel and David's understanding of where they were spiritually so that they would call out upon his name and ask forgiveness. And God saw salvation for David through the devastation of his pride as he came before him. So God used Satan as his rod to chastise a disobedient Israel, and he struck judgment to save his people, and in the process exposed where his people were and their weaknesses were so that they could come running to him and find forgiveness. And if you know the history of Israel, you'll know that God's plans work here. He let the enemy tempt David so far, but then he moved in and he brought deliverance to David and to Israel, and they were saved in the process. And the end result was not the plan of Satan for the downfall of David and the destruction of Israel, but for a cleansing process to take place within their lives as a result of that. And so while there is a destructive purpose that takes place in tempting you, God has his own purpose in allowing it, and it's an eternal purpose that brings us to a recognition that we need him more and more. God has promised his people that we will live in his protection and in his powerful right hand. And since we know that to be true, we must also understand that any temptation that faces us is done under the watchful eye of God who knows just what you can take and just what you need to escape to bring glory to himself. The Bible tells us that he has prepared a way of escape, that we will not be tempted more than we can bear so that he can bring his purposes to bow. Point number two, God is allowing a powerful temptation in your life, and if he is doing so, it's because he's after something. God is after something. I have said before, some of the struggles and things that we go through in life, in fact, I just had a conversation this morning. We were talking about 
some of the difficult tests that we go through in life. I don't know about you, but when I'm going through a hard time, I'm always praying, Lord, let me learn this lesson that you're trying to teach me the first time because I don't want to have to go through this test again. I don't want to have to repeat this grade. So whatever it is, Lord, make my heart vulnerable and soft enough to hear you so that I learn whatever I need to learn because I don't like this test. Have any of you ever been there? God may be using a temptation to get at a long-standing spiritual obstacle within your life. Perhaps there is a reoccurring sin that has a stranglehold on you, a stronghold on you, and it is keeping you from victory in Jesus. It's keeping you from growing spiritually. It has caused you shame and discouragement and despair, and the enemy knows that, so what he seeks to try to destroy you with, the Lord allows so that you can be aware of it and ask him to come in. In James chapter 1, verse 14, it says, but each one is tempted. So I just need you to know right now that there's not a single one of you that will not or has not go through temptation. The interesting thing is, is that the things that might tempt you may not be what tempts me. The things that tempt me may not bother you at all. But God in his awareness knows the areas that we would be most vulnerable in And knowing those things brings them to our consciousness so that we can do something about it with him. In fact, the verse goes on to say, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. And the imagery in this verse, frankly, is stunning. It's of Satan holding something in front of you that he knows will be attractive to you. He knows it's going to be attractive to you. Knowing that because of its attractiveness and the enticing way that it's presented that you will reach out and take it. And Satan does this in an an innocent way. Always telling you that, hey, this is going to be so much fun. This is going to make life so much better for you. And the moment that you reach for it, he throws handcuffs on you and captivates you and captures you and tries to then destroy you. As he drags you away from the presence of God, and while he's doing that, he heaps condemnation on you and tells you just how weak and despicable you really are. I grew up in Louisiana, and there was a neighbor of my grandfather when I was a kid that was a trapper. And I remember asking him, what's the simplest trap you've ever made? And he laughed, and he says, it's it's a raccoon trap. He says, I take... A 12 by 2, a 2 by 12, and he says, I lay it across a stream. And he says, it's high enough that a raccoon can't walk underneath it. And he says, and then I just cut out a little piece of a soda can. I tie a string to it and hang it right below that, and then I drill a hole through that just big enough so that a raccoon, when it closes its paw, can reach through, and it will see the flashing of that and grab it. He says, an interesting thing about the nature of a raccoon is that once it has reached its hand through that and grabbed that shiny thing, it will not let go. He said, you literally can walk up to that raccoon and throw a gunny sack over it and, and, and catch it that way because it is so intrigued by the flash of what it's got its hand around that it won't let it go to save its own life. And I thought, how interesting is that? How many times has the enemy flashed something in front of us and we reach out to grab a hold of it and knowing that if we just let it go, there is an escape available, but we battle and we justify in our own mind all of these things that give us the reason why we want to hang on to it until we are captured. 
John Piper says that sin, lust, for example, or any temptation, he said, it gets its power by persuading me to believe that I will be more happy if I follow it. The power of all temptation is the prospect that if I participate, I will be happier. The problem with temptation is that once you yield to it, believing that it will bring you greater happiness, you are immediately overcome by guilt and shame. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in our heart that leads us to know that when we participated in something he's not pleased with, we instantly feel like, oh, I've disappointed God. And the enemy whispers in your ear in those times, because you have disappointed him, he doesn't want to have anything to do with you. And God on the other side is saying, I have brought this level of disappointment, this conviction, so that you will turn to me and let me at work within your life to bring you to a place where this will never bother you again. And up to this point, unwanted, out of nowhere, temptation strike, but God's intent is to show you your weakness because you're vulnerable and you've never set up a guard at the weak spot. And the Lord is saying, guard your heart. Guard your heart. You see, officers know that if they wear this, that it protects them from a shot to the heart that's fatal. We need to understand that by inviting Jesus into our areas of temptation, he sets up a guard around us. And by doing that, brings to us places that we begin to bolster up in areas of weakness. You see, the enemy is always looking for weaknesses in your life to attack. God allows temptation to show you that you have them and that you need to address them. But God never allows you to be tempted so that you will feel dirty or that you will feel unworthy. He doesn't allow them to bring you to a place where you are destro destroyed by them. He allows them so that we in wisdom might call for the presence of the Lord into the very places that we are most afraid of for him to see. You see, we have this image in our mind that when we yield to temptation, when we fall to things, maybe it's something we do again and again, we get this image in our mind that somehow the Lord looks at us and says, that's it. Enough is enough. I want nothing whatsoever to do with you anymore. You obviously don't have the willpower that it takes to be able to be strong, and so I just want you to know I'm done with you. And that's what the enemy whispers in your ear. But in fact, what the Lord really wants of us is this. I already know where your weaknesses are. I already died on the cross for this shame of your sin. I know it all. So what I want you to do is in that moment of temptation, I want you to invite me in and say, Lord, I want you to stand with me right now. In the very things that I've been ashamed for you to see. In the very things that I have been afraid for you to, to recognize in my life. Knowing here in the heart level that God knows everything. But at the head level we try to protect ourselves. And the Lord says I, I allow this so that you in prayer will say step into my weakness with me. Lord the things that I have fallen in again and again. As I'm at that door would you step into my weakness with me. Because when you do that. Satan doesn't see a vulnerable you. He sees a powerful God. He doesn't see one who is standing there with no protection. He sees the breastplate of righteousness and the power of the living God standing there. And he will flee from you. Because in your weakness, the temptation elevated the understanding that you're weak there. And Jesus stands in that with you. And so you need to understand that in your temptation... The response that you need is to invite Jesus to stand beside you and face it. And that when he does, he will show himself strong. 
And thirdly, every temptation of the righteous comes during two special works of God within our lives. The most severe temptations strike during one of two unique occasions in our walk with the Lord. Immediately after we have experienced a mountaintop experience where we have felt revival in our soul and a renewing in our spirit and we are on cloud nine and we're feeling so good in the Lord, we become vulnerable. And then the second time is just prior to the Lord using you in an unprecedented way in ways that he never has before. God may have blessed you and whispered into your soul that I'm going to use you. I'm going to open a door for you that no man can shut. And in, in that knowledge, in your prayer life, that you believe that God is going to do something in you and through you, the enemy, in an effort to disqualify you before you can get started in that, will begin to bring great attack. How many of you, even this week, have faced major attacks of the enemy? Many of you. You want to know why? Because the enemy knows that Grace assembly is on the verge of a breakthrough. He begins to recognize that there's a moving of the Holy Spirit that's taking place. People are coming to Christ. And if he can disqualify us from being used in a greater way, then he will have effectively squelched what God wants to do, not only in our church, but through you. Some of you have even listened to the voice that thinks that you are not worthy to be used of the Lord. And I want you to know that is a lie from the pit of hell. God has plans for you from the moment that he's created you that's greater than anything that you have been aware of at this point in time. You say, well, how, how can we battle and how can the enemy be so aware that God wants to use me if he can't hear what the Lord is saying to my heart? How does the devil know God wants to use me? He can't read my thoughts. He can't hear what the Spirit says to my soul, nor does he know my future. All of that is true. But Satan has had thousands of years to see human behavior. He knows patterns. He knows what we do. He has seen the response that we have had to different things in our life. And so we've seen how he has worked in the hearts of men and women through the years with Abraham and Jacob and Peter. And now he sees that God wants to do something in you because there's an anointing coming. There's a spiritual enthusiasm that's being birthed. And you're beginning to pray a little bit more. And you're, you're beginning to see answers to prayer. And as your spiritual enthusiasm begins to grow, you become a huge threat. And the enemy says, I'm going to stop that. I'm going to destroy that. I'm going to take them out. And because of the anointing of the Lord, you cause great fear to him. And he recognizes that when a person is set on God, that that individual is going to be greatly used and determines to take you out before anything can happen. And I am convinced that when you have had a mountaintop experience, when you're flying high in the Lord, that we become vulnerable because we think everything is great. And it's in those moments when everything is going good that we take off the best. We begin to think, you know what? I'm going so good spiritually, I don't need the armor of God. I don't need to watch out for the temptation. And it's in those moments that we become vulnerable. And then it's in those moments that we recognize God wants to use us. There's a great example of this in Psalm 40. And if you have your Bibles, you might want to just turn to it. I'm just going to read a few verses. But we see how David went through this highs and lows in just a very short period of time. David, in chapter 40 of Psalm 40. Verses 2 and 3 says, he lifted, this is David speaking, he lifted me out of the slimy pit. Do you know 
And do you recognize, for those of you that may be feeling like you're living in a pit today, you can't get yourself out of it. God has to lift you out. You may have tried everything in your own power to get yourself out of a situation, but today the Lord wants you to know that the way you get out of slimy pits is you say, Lord, I need you to come and lift me from this place and put me someplace new. Build me spiritually in a new place. It says, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on the rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. He puts a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see in fear and put their trust in the Lord. Does that not sound like somebody who has just walked out of a great revival? They are still singing the songs of victory there. He's in his chariot whistling and just praising God. Everything is going good. He goes on in verse 5 to say, Many, O Lord, are the wonders that you have done, the things you've planned for us. No one can recount to you. Were I to speak of them or tell of them, they'd be too many to declare. In other words, he begins to recognize, I am living under the blessing and favor of God. He has blessed my life in ways that I, I can't even begin to jot them down because I would run out of paper. David is saying, God, you're doing so many great things in my life. I'm so thankful for you. There's an overflowing of love for God that's birthed in vision and confidence. And then in verse 8, he says this, I desire to do your will, O God. In other words, because of the joy that I'm experiencing with you, I am ready for anything. Give me a job. I'm ready to see you work through me. These are the words of a man enjoying great victory. Mountaintop experience. God had delivered him. It's revealed to him that the kingdom is about to be brought under him. He was about to enter into the most effective period of his life and ministry. And yet look what happens by verse 12 of the same chapter. For troubles without number surround me. And my sins have overtaken me. And I cannot see. There are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. He went from being on the mountaintop to suddenly being under the greatest attack that he could find, the enemy trying to take him out before he could begin to step into the power of what God wanted for him. And what you need to know about this that fits into this, this series and for you to hear is David was not out of God's will at that point. He was praying and preaching and witnessing and hungering for God's word, yet suddenly at a moment when these two great works of God, the mountaintop experience of great victory with the promise that he was about to be used in greater things than he'd ever been to before, in that moment of time, the enemy said, now is my time to attack. And he hit him with a river of trials and temptations. Satan began to speak into David's heart of all of his past failures, of the old lusts and the old things that had caused him to sin. And they all came rushing back, and instantly he recoiled from the greatness of God and began to look at himself in the weakness that he was. And the temptations begin to draw him back because Satan knew if I can take him out now, I have destroyed him and God's people. And do you know that that old trick still works today in your life as well? He's up to the same tactic. How many times have we cried out of frustration at just the time God wants to use us the most? Temptation seems to come in like a flood and the stronghold of it hits you. And we become overwhelmed by our past. Because Satan will never talk to you about your glorious future. He will always remind you of a sinful past. And you say to yourself, God, I've been seeking you. I'm not looking for sin. I'm pursuing righteousness. I just don't understand. But here's what you need to know about the purpose of temptation. 
It's not a sin to be tempted. It is not a sin to be tempted. The devil will try to tell you that you were unworthy and that your past weaknesses prove it. He will tell you that you've made no progress and that you have no hope overcoming it or gaining victory over it. Yet the truth is that the closer you grow to the Lord, the more shame you feel when you go through these temptations because you no longer want to shame the Lord in your life. One of the things I love about the Holy Spirit is the convicting power of the Spirit. We live in a world today that hates the conviction of the Holy Spirit because it confronts them and they're wrong. But we who are believers understand that the Spirit of God will not leave you alone. And that when you are about to reach out and grab something that you do not need to be grabbing, there will be a conviction of the Spirit that says that is not the way to go. Because if you'll just call me right now, I will stand with you and deliver you. And this temptation will no longer be effective in your life. Because I have created you for greater things than this. I've created you for wonders. So we thank the Lord for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, the convincing power that brings us to an understanding of how God uses temptation within our life. I'm going to ask the worship team if they'd please come. And so when we look at the scripture, we begin to recognize that we have to guard our heart, guard it diligently. Church, we need to know that we can't afford to let our guard down. We cannot afford to believe that we've got it all together. We can't afford spiritual arrogance. To say, Lord, I don't need your help. I've got this on myself because in those moments of time, we're destined to fail. So here's what I want you to remember today. The Lord may allow temptation in your life to show you where your weaknesses are. So that having revealed those to you, you will call upon the name of the Lord and have him stand with you in that weakness. Not to shame you, but to strengthen you. The enemy may be attacking you because you're coming off a spiritual high or there's a spiritual victory that the Lord is going to use you at and he has seen the pattern in your life. The closer you grow to the Lord, he knows his kingdom is about to be shaken by you and he wants to take you out before it begins. But here's what you must know. God does not allow temptation for your defeat. He allows it to show himself strong in your life. Would you please stand with me this morning? as we sing this course together.